of my keys. Hopefully, uh, to, to do what uh, I've heard some uh, John Piper, I was at a conference once, and he came up after panel and said, I'm going to try and put some Bible under this. So I'll try and put some Bible under this a little bit. Um, former U.S. President uh, Herbert Hoover, he served from 1929 uh, for f four years, just one, um, one term. And he was known to be a person of faith. I'm not big on American politics. But I read that there was a pastor who interviewed him once and asked this question. Um, Mr. President, can you state in one sentence the secret to your success in life? And he simply answered, with the help of God, I never gave up. Persistence is a word we could use about our church family, about Country Hills Church. There was persistence to find a place to meet. Though not in the Country Hills neighborhood, you might notice we are not located in the Country Hills neighborhood. The first um, desire was to move in and, and plant a church in the growing Country Hills uh, neighborhood in Alpine and Laurentian, and eventually started in Laurentian Hills Public uh, Senior Public School over here. There was persistence to find a piece of land somewhere within the neighborhood. Um, there was persistence through many uh, different trials and troubles and difficulties. There's persistence through church splits. We don't tend to talk about those things at a 40th anniversary. There's persistence through wounding. There's persistence through people leaving, people coming, through many different changes. And in order to, to stay following Jesus, we do need to stay rooted and established, and we need some persistence. And the passage uh, we're going to look at briefly this morning uh, Paul uses the words pressing on, and it reminds me of like the early 2000s song by Reliant K, Pressing On. And if you know that one, you can listen to it today in, in honor of that, but some of you are smiling. But um, what does it mean to press on? In Philippians 3, Paul is talking about all the religious things he had done in his past, and he recounts all the religious activities. And he was a good religious man. As a religious leader, he did all the religious-y things. But then Jesus rescued him, entered in his life on the, the road to Damascus. And in Philippians 3, he says, you know what? I, I consider all those things useless because now I have found what it's like to follow Christ. Actually, what I want is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to know all that Jesus is because all the stuff in my own effort really didn't amount to much. It's all what Jesus has done for me. And then he says this in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Good word, Rachel. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let's just look at uh, these verses for a few moments. So verse 12, um, he has some real humility in how he's speaking about these things. He says, I, I, even where I'm at now, I don't think I've already achieved it. I've not attained it. I've not arrived. I'm writing you a letter, Philippian church, on how to follow Jesus better. But as I look back on all the things that I could look at myself and say, I've really arrived and really done well, they all seem useless to me. So he has this real humble attitude about his growth. And so if we want to press on, we need to have some humility 
in how we view ourselves. So he knows he's not already perfect. But here's what he does know. That perfection is coming. That Jesus is returning. And that he's going to be fully resurrected. So when we believe in Jesus and begin to follow him, the resurrection process begins in our spirit, in our soul. He makes us new. We have a new nature, a new spirit. And we're waiting that time when he'll come and complete that work in the whole world. He'll make the heavens and the earth new. A new heavens, new earth. And we get resurrected bodies. And so we're in process. But it's interesting because he talks... He talks in a way as if it's already completed. He lives in a way as if he's already perfected, knowing that he's not perfect. And it's, it's this uh, contrast there. It's as if he knows that he's a piece of clay. And the potter, the potter has designed him and perfected him exactly as he's supposed to be. And then hands it off to an assistant to take it over to the kiln to be fired so that it will be heated and stay that way forever. And on the way, on the journey, it gets ruined. So there's only one, uh, there's only two choices then. Either the potter has to put it in the kiln as is, in this imperfect state, and have it fired and uh, baked and forever marred and ruined, or he has to remake it because he knows how it's supposed to be. And in the same way, God has created each one of us perfectly he knows who we are and we are born into this world and we are marred and tainted and ruined by sin the power of sin ruins us but that's not the end he gives us opportunity as we're on this journey of life before he returns and we spend eternity either with him or separated from him to be remade to be reborn he knows who we are and so paul knows this so this idea of being perfected, but we're in process of being perfected, is like an oxymoron. Now, I don't know if you know what an oxymoron is. I, I didn't know either, but when I was in grade nine, getting my braces adjusted, uh, the, uh, the orthodontist used to always have creative posters and stuff above, and he had this one, one time, that talked about or oxymorons. And if you don't know what an oxymoron is, I'll read you some of them, and you'll probably get it, okay? Plastic silverware. Bittersweet, deafening silence, pretty ugly, all natural flavoring, the same difference, and jumbo shrimp. Okay, it's, it's two, right? It's two figures of speech that should contradict one another, but you put them together and they kind of make sense. Here's, here's the truth. We are perfect in Christ, even as we are being perfected. We are perfect in Christ, even as we are being perfected perfected so paul in his humility doesn't consider to have already been per perfect like he's not attained it but he knows he's perfect so he presses on to take hold of that perfection that completion for which christ took hold of him the reason jesus saved him in the first place is because jesus knows who he is and wants him to realize that himself live it and be with him for eternity so he presses on in the reality that he's complete in christ Jesus knows who he is, and he wants to live in that reality now, even though it's not going to be fulfilled until Jesus returns. And then he says this press-on phrase again in verse 13 and 14. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what is ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. 12 and 14. There's another way Paul possesses perfection. He presses on to reach the goal for which Jesus has called him. 
that goal not being religious perfection, not doing all these things perfect. It's just to get the end of the race faithfully, to stay rooted and established in Christ until he returns, because then he's fully completed and he will live forever with Jesus. So what, what is this forgetting the past stuff deal with? What are the things we need to forget? So he forgets what's behind. Well, we can't forget what's behind. He presses on to what's ahead. What's he doing? I think there's two things Paul probably forgets. He probably forgets about his failures, and I'll explain what I mean, and forgets about his false pride. He needs to forget about his failures because the enemy, the accuser, condemns. So voices, people, um, things that come against you that accuse you, condemn you, show you who you were, make you feel like you're nothing, make you not want to follow Jesus, that's the voice of the enemy. And Paul needs to forget his failures. And some of his failures actually are the things he thought were pretty good. The things about himself he thought he had arrived already. The enemy wants to condemn us and make us feel like we're nothing. Because if, if you're truly in Christ, how dare you sin? Look at this thing you did in your past. You're no good. Jesus doesn't love you. And so Paul says, I've got to forget all that. I forget my failures. But we also forget our false pride. Because Paul had a lot of false pride. He did a lot of things really well. And as we follow Jesus, we can build up false pride. We do well on stage, or we do well leading something, or we have attained something, or we overcome something. And we suddenly tip from failing and faltering to doing really well, and we're back in the same boat because we're not following Jesus well. We're leaning on ourselves. So instead of staying far from Jesus in our failures, we think we're close to him because I'm doing pretty good. And Paul is saying both those things are no good. So he presses on, forgetting what's in past, his false pride and his failures, and he presses on to live in who he knows he is already, even though it's not completed yet. So Paul's encouragement is this. Press on to know, grow, and follow Jesus. Press on to know, grow in, and follow Jesus. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I was studying this and looking at this passage over the past number of weeks, and we sat as a staff um, last week, and I asked a question like, hey, in, in like 30 seconds or less, can you talk about how your ministry is living out the mission of being people, helping people follow Jesus? And as we went around, uh, Gina Cowan, who's our uh, youth ministry director, said, yeah, what we try and do is I try and have our students um, know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and follow Jesus. And I'm like, yep, that, that'll work. That'll work just fine. <laughs> That's exactly what Paul is saying. We press on to know Jesus. Paul said, you know, I forget all this stuff because I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection in my life for victory over sin. And I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings because part of following Jesus is suffering. Not that we make ourselves suffer, but man, we'll come under attack and just to press on through that. I want to know those things. He wanted to grow in Jesus so that he realized, I'm not done. I'm perfect, but I'm being perfected. And to follow Jesus step by step in full dependence. So what does this mean for us as a church? We press on together to be who Jesus has called us to be and to do the things he's called us to do. We need to continue to press on. He's always had a plan for us. He still does. And he knows all of our potential. 
He wants us to be a place where everyone's welcome, everyone matters, and everyone has a part to play. Everyone. We're all people helping people follow Jesus. But in order to do that, we have to on our own follow Jesus. We have to on our own know Jesus, be growing in him and following him step by step so that collectively as a church family, we can do that. And so that we become the people that these four wonderful people talked about who influenced their lives and have helped them in their journey as well. And that's really the whole point of this because of you theme this month is to encourage you to be part of the next next chapter. But this morning, I want you just to think about where you're at with Jesus. And are you pressing on? You may not be in a hard time, but it's coming. We can be promised that. There's always something around the corner. What a, my pastor encouraged me this morning that there's bad things coming. What a wonderful thing. Why don't you come to my church and he'll really encourage you. But it's true. But we're not hopeless. We don't need to look at our failures, look at our false pride. We don't need to be held down. We know that we are perfect because Jesus knows who we are. Even as he's perfecting us, the process of sanctification. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to press on, to know, to grow in, and to follow Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? God, thanks for Dan and Melanie and Louie and Rachel and uh, how vulnerable and honest they've been this morning to share their journey with you and share what um, you've done in their lives through this church as a whole and through different individuals in it. Father, I pray that um, as some of us here are thinking through names in our own minds of people who've helped us here, or maybe we're thinking of um, how we can get more engaged or uh, be, be a greater part of Country Hills. I pray that through your spirit, you would make next steps clear. And above all, that you would give us the strength, uh, the vision, the people around us to continue to press on. Thank you that we don't follow you alone, that it's not about our strength or how mature we are, how spiritually mature, but it is absolutely about you doing your work in us and having others around us that we can help in who are helping us. Bless us, give us a wonderful week as we celebrate uh, 40 years here. And we just thank you for this church and all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much.